Breakfast puppies? This podcast contains adult language and content and is meant for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. You are listening to The Glitter Boys. Palladium Books presents The Mechanoids Invasion, Book 3, <laughs> Homeworld, by Kevin Zambita. $7.50 goddamn cents. And what an epic cover, too. Like, yeah. Seven fifty. You know, again, going with the whole analogy from earlier, my brother's allowance was ten bucks a week. Yep. It's a good deal. It, even for the time, it was a good deal. So this one, this one is where things get interesting. This is where the story is brought up a whole other level. Because this is where we find out that the mechanoids don't really control they're they're just expansionistic there's no there's not the base you think there is before we even get into the story of what this is about i want to start right here with page one of this book at the very beginning of this episode that ended up turning into a series (laughs) unexpectedly (laughs) we talked about how we would see the palladium system evolve over the course of the books and i'd like to take a moment to address that When you go back and look at the first of this, and I say book, but the first part of this book, which is a collection of books, you'll see that the Palladium system that you recognize, it's there, but it's simplified. There's no parry. There's just a dodge. There's no strike. It's just called two hit based on its AD&D roots. There's only bonuses applied at super high stats. I'm not quite sure why they decided to do that. I've got my theories, but whatever. But now it goes down to 16 and it starts showing the bonus table that we're getting a little bit more familiar with. You know, Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. looks so close to Palladium Fantasy First Edition. Like that stats table with the, the various races. Like previously we had humans and rovers. Now we've got humans, Boralians, Nigelians, and blah, 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 blah. We're we're getting into a game that, although it was previously, in my humble opinion, actually a complete role-playing game, this is expanding it even further into what would probably eventually become Phase World. Yeah, or... Yeah, I, I could see it Phase World, but uh, just the meat and potatoes of the of the charts itself goes straight to modern riffs yeah and what i find so adorable is you're looking here at the tables and you're seeing these little symbols and you're like uh pre-computer love it yeah (laughs) yeah still have rotary phones here people (laughs) but if you start looking through the pages that follow you are now seeing the extended details of what you're probably now very familiar with decades later You've got the physical strength tables. You've got the weight tables, movement, exertion. You've got alignments that are now fully detailed. They weren't included in the first first two books. And have been cut and pasted ever since. If you look at these alignments, you see that, you know, for example, the unprincipled character is the Hans Solo. Yep. Hans Solo. And that one stuck around for a while. But you've got all of the other ones. You've got the insane 
Insanities. Yes. <laughs> and, and and look at them. They're so oh, they're beautiful. They're uh man. It's only one page though. No, wait, it's two. Yeah, well, one and yeah. a half. It's one and a half. But this you know. will get bigger as time goes on. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> a whole new hosts of skills. Oh, and we're now going to level 15 instead of yep. 13. There's one that I, I wish had made it to the modern era, just a skill all in and of itself. Recharge energy clips. <laughs> wait, wait, what? Where? Give me a page reference, my friend. Uh, on this, it's 136. Holy fucking shit. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. That. What? <laughs> oh, and the ghost of the ghost of Abel would like to point out that 92 to 100 E clip explodes doing maximum damage of entire clip. <laughs> you know, that's fascinating. I'm really badly wanting to, to run this game now. <laughs> I know. I understand. I think the, the spirit of Abel wakes up in one of the, the bellies of the mothership and it was all just a dream. <laughs> His multiverse. I still feel the desperation and this was done so many times in various in in, in various works of of sci-fi during the time of of just the the alien ship taking you to the the alien home i mean this is this is contact this is oh god so many others fuck keith lomer made his a, a ton a ton of money out of writing this story in various in various ways i don't think they had this before we see hand to hand combat and then martial arts. Give me a page. Uh, what are you looking at? 138. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. And honestly, yeah. it's pretty badass. It's, it's way better than it is now. Plus three to Dodger Perry. And I mean, just, yeah, it, it's, it's good stuff. Well, so this is, again, this is what I miss about old school Palladium. If you go... If you go back and look at the first edition fantasy game, which mm-hmm. we will definitely talk about more, I would like to do a discussion about the comparison between the two, the first and second edition fantasy. Sure, sure. One thing fantasy first ed did is it gave every single class its own hand-to-hand table, which looked a lot like what we're seeing here. Yeah. Uh, you got a whole bunch of new uh, OCCs, uh, some of which, as NPC was talking about, are, are still here. There was the electrical engineer. There was the mechanical engineer. There was the field scientist. Looks like it was pretty closely swiped over to uh, Robotech. Um, there are some tables in here which are new. The the elective skills. Uh, it, it's showing you. I'm, I'm not sure what's going on there. Well, with first edition specifically, if you're familiar with rifts, dear listener, then you're probably familiar with the skill notation oh, of base percent of 20% plus plus five per yeah. level or something like that. In first edition fantasy, and also clearly here in the inspirational game Mechanoids, every single skill has its own table. It doesn't do the whole base plus X per level. It shows you its bases stretched out across all levels. If you go back to the first Mechanoids book, you'll see that every class has its various skills listed on a table of percentages for its levels. Mm -hmm. That's because that's what AD&D did. At the time, the thief was the prime example of this. 
if you go back and look at the advanced Dungeons and Dragons thief, well, and, and actually the basic D&D thief and whatever, you'll see that their skill abilities were broken down percentage-based by level. It is absolutely obvious that that is what Kevin used as the inspiration for his entire skill system. Yeah. There's also a uh, a new... And it, this, I, this didn't last, because probably because it's too open-ended, but uh, each OCC had an Applied Aptitude Specialties, uh, an AAS. An AAS is an intuitive and trained understanding of a particular area of study. So, like, sensory equipment, vehicles, theoretical knowledge, it, it gives a, a table by level of how much that goes up. And it's, it's, it's not a skill per se, though you use it like you would a skill check. It's if, if a thing falls in that category, you kind of get a shot to understand what's going on. And I, I actually like that, but I can see why it didn't make it because it is, it's very, very open-ended and the arguments to a lot of it could be made that everyone could do everything. So I, I see why they got rid of it. You know, it's interesting if you think about this and look at it from the perspective of us today in 2021. And I play a lot of games in what some of you, dear listeners, might know as the OSR, the old school renaissance, where you have these characters that have assumed abilities, things that you don't really have to roll for kind of stuff. This seems like an interesting middle ground between having to individually pre-pick your skills so that you're able to cover any situation that comes up in play, but also having a fallback. That's kind of what it reads like to me. I could be wrong. Like a fallback ability. Like if I don't really have a specific skill that covers this, I at least have an X ability of doing this based upon my class. Yeah. I'm not actually understanding how this works. So... Right after that, we get into some fantastic flavor text. I'll give you a first paragraph. For over 100,000 years, the Mechanoids ruled their galaxy and the six neighboring galaxies. Many were their achievements. Yet with each passing eon, the seeds of madness grew within them, breeding hatred, fear, and destruction. It created a race of merciless megalomaniacs with but three all-consuming purposes. Expansion knowledge, and the termination of all human life. The former two, enabling them to execute the latter. Like, so you're talking a, a triple galaxy. These, these, these guys have been around a bit. They've knocked around a bit. This was still back in the day when Kevin understood the concept of the three or four sentence paragraph. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Nowadays, you get paragraphs that span half a page or more of just these long diatribes of things. But this is neat. It's concise. Mm -hmm. You can look at this page and see individual sections that need to be read, each encapsulating its own thought. I know that we rarely go into this subject, but I really appreciate this as an editor. One thing I really like about this is that what they did was they gave you all the information they could possibly cram into what the homeworlds look like, the races in it, what the installations were like, a lot of common defenses, how power systems worked, all all of that kind of stuff. But they didn't 
define open scenarios. Uh, they did. They didn't give you a lot of adventures. Instead, what they did was they they gave you all the information that. Well, not all. You can always ask for more, but they give you a ton of information about the societies, about their interactions with each other, and about their environment. And then they left it up to you to play in it. And this is the kind of breakdown of societies and factions that, in my opinion, you don't see again until Nightbane. This has groups. This is organizations. And they each have feelings and thoughts and what they want in the scene. Nightbane takes it a big step beyond that and like fleshes them out with what they feel about each other. You don't quite get that here. But this feels like a living universe. This is very, very rooted in the 70s pulp sci-fi yet again, where the men who look like apes, you have men who are canid, you have dragon lizard people, you have bug people, You, I mean, you have gargoyle people, troll people, there's all kinds of different races in space. This could be an episode of Buck Rogers with a better special effects budget. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, way better costume design. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. <laughs> no, if you look at page... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Where are you? 157. Oh, yeah. There's a movie. I am the only person I know who has ever seen this movie, unless you're about to surprise me and tell me you've also seen this movie. But apparently, it was also an MST3K. So, eh. anyway, this is a movie called Robot Monster. No, sorry. It's, a, it's a really, really old, old, old movie. I think it was even in black and white era. And it's a sci-fi film about this this group of like four or five, you know, attractive ah, 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 human space explorers who have to survive against some kind of a space monster. And the space monster is literally a gorilla suit with an old style diving helmet. What do we see here on this page? A gorilla suit? With an old style diving <laughs> helmet. <laughs> It's beautiful. Oh, uh, man. <laughs> I like the, the cyborg men, not cybermen of, of Doctor Who fame. Uh, you, you have the, the cyborg men because they are cyborgs, not cyber. Yeah, I get it. Because cybermen itself had something of an expectation of, mm. you know, the convert people to cybermen. And yeah. this is, their, 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 this their is an alien race. race. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you have. God, and I swear, uh, this was swiped for uh, for Halo. The Phi Warper? Psy Warper? I guess it's Phi. Are you talking about the Krangs? Yeah, the slugs. <laughs> um, I like them because they're very alien. They're, they're, they're not bipeds mixed with some sort of beast from Earth like most of the rest are. They're, this is just an alien bug. Yeah, they definitely have that whole quad thing going about them. Yeah. We have some more psionics, and then we get into my favorite part. We get into starships. All of the races have their various starships that they use. We should talk a little bit about the system, actually. We kind of skipped over that. So your, your bold survivors fought their way onto the, the mothership, and the mothership took them back to the, the planetary base. And on this planetary base of, of the mechanoids was this whole system, which had been given which had been taken over, I suppose, by these various factions out, out that, that weren't the mechanoids themselves, uh, the Borelians and the, 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 the others. 
Now, they all use their own tech and the mechanoid tech, if I'm understanding that right. I believe I am. I think so. I, I did not go into deep reading on this because I was skimming this pretty hard when we got to the, when yeah. I, by, by the time I got to this part of the book. Thing is, is that you can buy all these spaceships. The prices, they're there. And right next to the, like, uh, like the, the, the cost of a, of a, of a pro tang warp drive, uh, which, you know, is in the millions, you have binoculars times five, 74. <laughs> well, before we even get there, we have random encounter tables for space travel. Yes. Which we need because I like to run seat of the pants. So I appreciate this. And if you've been listening to us for a while, you might appreciate this. The fact that each and every spacecraft in this book has a picture. Each yeah. fucking one. A picture and its own stats. You know how much it weighs. This is a this is great. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. God I, I hate I hate 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 science fiction role playing games today that just fill a list of names and numbers and don't give me pictures of those ships. You know, yeah. I can I can understand not wanting to do a floor plan of every single ship because that requires a lot of work and effort. But show us what the hull looks like. I want to know what it looks like. Yeah. And this is this delivers. I also like the uh the the space Uzi, the Uzi <laughs> in space at the bottom of 179. Well, <laughs> all of these pictures get reused. You'll see these yeah. in Heroes Unlimited. You'll see them in Phase World. You'll see them in later books. Some of these are the default energy rifle that was in Heroes Unlimited kind of stuff or, mm-hmm. or Ninjas and Super Spies. And it's interesting to see where it all started. Wow. The explosive tables. Yes. <laughs> um, then, you, then you have all, all new vehicles. Just everything from buggies to little scouting ships to fighters. And then you get into the stuff that, you know, says it's for the Game Master, but everyone's read it. You have breakdowns of the new races, what their bases look like, what their defenses are, what their what the interior parts of the races look like, if they have casts, if they have, you know, different levels of society, it's it's all there. What they look like in armor, what they look like without armor. Another comic book. And then we see what the mechanoids look like on the inside. Yeah, they're gross. Mm-hmm. They're real gross. We get some reused stuff from the first book and we, you know, we see the whole Palladium books copy pasting of previous texts to fill pages, mm-hmm. but there's a whole lot of new stuff mixed in here. And a lot of it makes sense too. Like, not only do they give you a, like, let's say the, the mechanoid base on uh, page 200, they, they give you what it looks like underground as well. Have they planned escape tunnels? Where do they meet up in ways that the player characters won't be able to see from just looking? I mean, there's, there's such a huge amount of floor plans and richness and just, just stuff. I love how much stuff is in here. I love it. There's more maps of facility maps and encounter mm-hmm. tables and just more maps and world maps and did more maps and did just location maps and <laughs> bunker maps and perimeter maps and facility maps. And this is wonderful. A complete role-playing game. It, it, I just want to cry <laughs> <up> here. <laughs> now, all of this, let's see, we've been talking, I'd, I'd say roughly about an hour about this. Yeah. 
And <laughs> all of this was crammed in to 209, no, 207 pages. You don't count yes, the covers. Something like that. Yeah. It's, it's a hell of a first release, people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, yeah, that's, that's the Mechanoids. A, a completely realized world and a hell, a hell of a way to burst onto the gaming scene. And it, the success of this is what allowed Palladium to attract such big names as, for the time, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Robotech, all, all the other little things that got swept under the umbrella of Palladium did it because such an amazing job was done here. And I totally get why Kevin keeps wanting to come back to it. If you've read yeah. The Rifters, if you've listened to us talk about The Rifters and the ones that will still to come for our future episodes, you'll you'll hear the running gag of Mechanoid Space coming soon, which was <laughs> Kevin's desire to take the Mechanoids and turn it into a new game using that material, expanding it further, doing the giving it the phase world treatment. Yeah. And I think that's a cool idea. But the joke is that he kept saying it's coming soon, coming next year, coming this summer, coming next spring, coming in a few months in every issue of the Rifter. I would love to see Mechanoid Space day. be an actual game. I know he brought yeah. them into the Rifts universe in Sourcebook 2, and it was a cool side adventure, and it was a nice nod to this old day, but it just doesn't quite feel the same as having it be its own contained universe. Yeah, agreed. But, I mean, even the first one, you could, with minimal with, with minimal work, drag and drop it into Rifts. Well, the best part is, if you get this book, the Invasion Trilogy, again... The blue cover book has all three. It opens up with conversion rules. If mm -hmm. you want to bring this into Rifts, good job. All the MDC conversions are right there for you. Yeah. Or you could just go to Sourcebook 2. But I would prefer to bring this into something like Robotech myself. I think that Robotech is already built for space combat and that kind of stuff. So just take I some agree. of the ideas replace them with the mechanoid stuff, update the MDC based on this book, and congratulations, you've got mechanoid space ready to go. Of course, the real question is, can an energy crystal power a Veritech? Well, would the humans of Gideon E have found Veritech <laughs> in their, you know, extra Jansport backpacks book or, or, or box? Because, come on, like... <laughs> no, it's just battle cruisers. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think we've sung the praises enough. Um, if this hasn't been enough to sell you on, on the mechanoids, I don't know what will. But if, if you're like us and you, you have a long-term interest in not only playing games, but have kind of had a hankering, well, you, you've done this, but had a hankering to, to create your own game, this is required reference material. You, you need to read this. This is something you should, you should own and you should look at because it is exactly how to do it right. I 100% agree with this. Mechanoids is an early pioneer of the role-playing game industry doing things right. And the hard way. We don't have to do it this way anymore. Like, he no. took money from a friend and had to publish a thing and get, you know, like a thousand copies or more because of the way that offset printing has always worked and so on. Now... 
It's so easy to... You have drive through RPG. Yeah. I mean, Fifth Ed will let you do it in there, you know? You don't have to sit on inventory anymore. You yeah. don't have to order a print run. You can just put it on drive through set that thing to perfect bound, and then the customer can see your book, say, I want to print a copy of that, and they can order it, and your publisher will print that for them and ship it right to their house. No warehouse required. We yeah. live in the future, my friends. If you want to create an RPG, think about all you want to do. Go back to the old school. Look at how they used to do it. And think, can I do better than that? Yeah. All I can say is, is that this is, this is a fantastic, fantastic book. And it, it's, it's worth your 20 bucks. Get it. And Matthew, I want to thank you. I've been pushing for this one. Yeah. I kept putting this off. I was like, oh, mechanoids, mechanoids, mechanoids. All right, cool. We'll do mechanoids. Thank you for pushing this to be on this recording session because I had so much fun reading these books the last couple of days. Yeah, it was right up your alley. I did not expect to to have this much fun and to be this wowed by these books. Yeah, it's it's amazing. God, we're pushing on half an hour here. Yeah, we are. That's what we do. <laughs> I, I, got, I got nothing else on this. Do you remember our early game plan where we were like, okay, we'd never want to go over 15 minutes and 10 minutes is best. <laughs> Man, we generally tend to stick between the 15 and 20 minute mark. Mm-hmm. So I'm okay with that. Over 30 minutes yeah. occasionally is fine. I think that pushing that is, is going to be hard, but yeah, but I see what you're saying here. I, I hear you. I got it. I notice. I notice an upwards trend and honestly, I, I like it. Um, if you like the new longer format, let us know. You can either go directly to our website, glitterboys.com, or you can just leave a comment on whatever one of the freaking hundred things we're, we're out there on. And if you want to support us in a new fun way, well, we got something for you. We've got merch. That's right. You can have our proud logo on anything from a coaster to a purse to, like I do, a beautiful, beautiful t-shirt. You can also have it on your butt. Just order the leggings. They're fantastic. <laughs> all right. Well, that's that's about all I have to say here today, folks. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I, I hope you stuck through to the end of this one because I have a lot of love for this particular series, and I'm really glad we got to talk about it. Yes, thanks for sticking through, and we'll catch you next time. You've been listening to The Glitter Boys, a Palladium Books fan podcast. Glitter Boys, Rifts, the Megaverse, and all other such topics are the property of Kevin Sambita and Palladium Books. Please buy all their stuff and help keep them in print and making more games. You can order directly at palladiumbooks.com and their entire catalog is available digitally at DriveThruRPG as well. Our opening music is 8-Bit Bass and Lead by Furby Guy from freesound.org. This closing music is Caravana by Philip Gross, available at freemusicarchive.org. 
All sound effects used are self-made or acquired via Creative Commons Zero License. If you like what you have heard, find us on Twitter and Facebook as The Glitter Boys. That's B-O-I-S. And check us out online at breakfastpuppies.com slash glitterboys. And also join us on the Breakfast Puppies Network Discord at breakfastpuppies.com slash discord. And if you want to help us out, please spread the word and help us build a community. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time.